Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 194 of the podcast. It's the 17th of September, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I've put together another compilation episode. This time, we're exploring the idea of stretching our comfort zones. I've collected snippets of podcast conversations around interests we're uncomfortable with at first, comfort zones versus boundaries, teens, parenting roles, later reading, and lots more. I hope you find it both interesting and helpful as you explore unschooling. As a personal update, this week, I added the podcast to Spotify. Yay, that's fun. So if that's up your alley, you can find it there now. And on a whim, the other day, I asked our Amazon Echo device to play the Exploring Unschooling podcast, and she actually started playing the newest episode. That was a cool surprise. I also recorded a wonderful conversation on Sunday that I am very excited to share with you next week, and I have another call today. I am determined to try to get ahead before November and December roll around. Speaking of which, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it's what allows me to spend my time creating episodes each week and also to share the entire archive for free with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's listen in as our guides dive into the value of stretching our comfort zones. Welcome to this compilation episode exploring the idea of stretching our comfort zones, which can come up in various ways along our unschooling journey. Often, we first encounter it when we're actively de-schooling and questioning so much of the conventional wisdom around learning and parenting that we've absorbed growing up. We can also find ourselves playing at the edges of our comfort zones if our child becomes interested in something that we're not fond of, or maybe we're unfamiliar with. Or maybe our child's learning journey wanders further off the beaten path than we were first expecting. So in this episode, I've brought together snippets from eight different podcast conversations that I hope you might find helpful and inspiring the next time you bump up against the edges of your comfort zones. To get us started, in episode 16, Jenny Cyphers and I talked about stretching our comfort zones during the teen years. I know in my experience, um, and many others, uh, and even 
I mean, you just don't use the word teen rebellion in, in your conversations because when, um, unschooling parents are helping our teens meet their goals instead of trying to control them to meet our goals for them, the conflict and the rebellion piece fades away. And what, what you're left with is experiences and learning and processing. Um, it's not, as you're saying, it's not that, uh, things are easy breezy because it's really life. Um, it's their life and our comfort zones may well need stretching. Um, but it's, it's their life to live and, and we want to be around to help them do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we, um, I think, I think so many kids have their lives micromanaged and, I think any person, even myself, I don't like to be micromanaged, even as an adult. Oh, mm-hmm. just the thought of it. I know. <laughs> I mean, nobody likes that. Nobody likes being micromanaged. And and for whatever reasons, parents want to micromanage their kids. And it's kids react to it just in the same way that adults react to that. They don't like it. Nobody likes it. And, and kids in school get it double because they get micromanaged at school and then they get micromanaged at home. And if you're lucky, you have parents that don't micromanage. And if you're in school, you still have to deal with micromanagement of school. So um, when, when you take the school component out, you're, you're not micromanaging that element of their life. You're not micromanaging what they're learning or how they're learning it and um, you facilitate learning for sure. We did, we did that lots. I mean, there, there was a point and, and we're talking about um, pushing comfort. There was a time where my oldest, when she was a little bit younger, maybe around 13, she was obsessed with blood, obsessed with blood. And it, it freaked me out. Um, She would, she would, make fake blood or buy fake blood and and do like bloody bath scenes and photograph them and i and i'm thinking is there something wrong with my child i mean this doesn't seem normal to me and i and i just had to breathe and push through it and and i just watched very carefully instead of reacting because i know a lot of people would have reacted um Oh my God, my child, there's something wrong with them. They're obsessed with blood. But I, and, and I thought those thoughts initially, and then I just really paid attention and watched and looked. And, um, she was making art. She was making art. That's what it was. It, and it was very much anime inspired. Mm-hmm. Weird, but true. It was an, uh, anime inspired, and she was definitely inspired by horror movies something that I also had to press through my own comfort zone. And she wanted to do more and more of that. So I looked around and we got involved in doing haunted houses. And that was a huge eye opener for me because I was suddenly surrounded by all these people who talk about horror movies as beautiful. Oh, did you see the way that blood spurted? Oh, it was beautiful. I'm like, I've entered the twilight zone, literally. (laughs) But... But it was it was kind of a big deal because suddenly I realized, oh, what my daughter is going through, other people have, are doing this and love it. And, and so 
I found ways to support the things that she really en- enjoyed doing. <laughs> and um, I, I kind of went off on a tailspin there, but. Oh, that's really cool. You know what? I'll pipe in because uh, Lissy, too, uh, there was a time when there was a lot of blood and stuff in, in her photographs and pictures. And I remember, you know, looking up recipes to make fake blood and going to, you know, going to stock up at Halloween time because you could go mm-hmm. and get all those kinds of <laughs> of stock for her to keep uh, for her set building and everything. I know. And at first it's kind of a shock. You know, are they... Uh, and you worry at first, you know, are they upset? Are they stressed? Why are they, you know, focusing on this? But then, as you said, you, you think through it and you see that they, this is, um, an art form to them. And, and, you know, you look closely and no, they're not, uh, depressed. They're not angry. They, they're still themselves. And look, this can really be just something fascinating. So interesting. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, a, a lot of my daughter's friends' parents freaked out about it and and weren't into it. They, you know, they they tried to micromanage and control all of that too. Oh, this weird thing that my kid is into. No, I'm not going to support that. That's weird. No, do what you're supposed to do, kid. I mean, we saw that a lot all around us, and and even 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 some of the. Um, even some of the unschooling parents we knew didn't, you know, we didn't know a whole lot with, with kids. My, my kids got along with, but there were a couple and, you know, it, it really makes a difference. And I've seen the differences in that it really makes a difference when you go out of your way to not only not control and micromanage what your kid does, but to go way beyond that and push past your own discomfort and really look at things from your child's perspective and then explore those things with them. It makes this mountain of difference. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's, that's huge. That that's such a huge piece of it all. Right. Cause they are their own person. Yeah, right. And you have to have both because I, you know, we've, we've met some people who, who kind of dabbled in unschooling, who tried to support all, all the interests, but then micromanaged. And that didn't go over so well. It didn't. I've seen that and it doesn't go over so well. And then I've mm-hmm. seen people who don't micromanage um, at all, but aren't really supportive of what their kids are into. And that doesn't go over so well either. Neither. I mean, you really have to have both of those in play. Yep. You really have to not be micromanaging, not be controlling, and and really, really delve into the things that they're into and push past your own comforts to do it because that's what I that's what I had to do and it worked out really well and and I can see the benefits of it. I mean it starts when when your kid wants to go for a walk by themselves for the first time, I mean that's that's scary. No. It is, depending on where you live. I mean, I mm-hmm. live in in a suburban er- area, surround you know on the outsides of a fairly big city, and there's um, mass transit and you know walking walking to the store by yourself is. 
I remember that feeling the first time she did it and she didn't have a cell phone on her and I was scared. I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to kidnap her. <laughs> but no, of course not. I had to push all those fears aside because that's not really what happens in life. Aside from the weird freak accidents, that's just not reality. I know. And every single time I pushed my comfort zone, I was always better off for it in the end. You oh, know, I always, absolutely. I always learned so much and it was such a great experience that, so now I can draw on that. Like every time I know I'm the one who has, who needs to grow, right? I loved hearing how Jenny stretched her comfort zones around her daughter's interest in all things horror and her observation that supporting our kids isn't just about not micromanaging how they engage with their interest, but also uh, doing the work to move through our discomfort so that we can actively support them and bring new ideas to the table. Next, we hear from Robert Gottlieb from episode 93, and we dive into comfort zones, beliefs, and boundaries. Speaking of our kids, have there been times when your kids' interests or choices have challenged your thinking or stretched your comfort zones? And if so, how did you work through those moments? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not like, so. you know, everything I've talked to up to this point, I, I might have painted this perfect rosy picture of perfect balance in a household and you know <laughs> we have this tidy house that you know it's not it's not anything like that at all and it, it's and it, but it's not total chaos either so i mean i don't want to paint a horrible picture but the reality is somewhere in between you know there's life is life right it's it's messy at times and you know you have to kind of roll with it and and we as parents how we handle these you know things these going outside of our comfort zone is something our kids are observing us do. So they're learning from us as we're doing this. So it's important that we do handle it well, or at least clean up after ourselves if we don't. Um, but you know, another point overall, being able to say, I'm sorry. And, you know, I did, I, I screwed up. I, I didn't want to t behave that way towards you or whatever. Um, but definitely, you know, the, the, the triad of sex, drugs and religion, right? So, you know, uh, the big key there for us was being able to, have honest conversations with them and for them to, you know, understand that we're not just making this stuff up, that we truly believe what we're saying. And, you know, things like sex, that wasn't actually that hard for us. They, you know, we've always been about, you know, this is, you know, naming the body parts correctly, <laughs> not giving them mm -hmm. names and all that and all that. But, you know, the, the, the hard balance is okay. Yes. There are certain philosophies that we believe in that may not jive with, with the law. Right. So we have to be careful about that and not break the law. So how do we do that? Well, it's a, it's a tough balance. And, and we, we discussed that with them. Um, religion, we're Jewish, but you know, our kids decided eh, religion doesn't matter that much to us. And that actually wasn't a big deal for us. For someone else, it could be a big deal though. You could, you know, you could be devout Christian, devout Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. And you've got a kid that could care less and wants nothing to do with it. And the key there is if you ever want a kid to join whatever you're doing, the best way to do that is to leave them alone. Because if you try to make them do it, they're not going to want to. And later on, they're going to rebel. That doesn't mean that they're going to join anyway. It could be that that's just their opinion. That's who they are. And that, you know, it's all about accept accepting them where they are. So, you know, 
I, I, I mentioned religion. It's really not a, outside my comfort zone at all. I, I had no problem with them saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm not really into this. I don't believe in God or I do or, you know, and that changes over time, too. You know, maybe they do one time they later on. Well, I'm agnostic or, or I do believe in God or you know, none of that really matters. It's their personal choice. So the, the big thing is, you know, being able to the big thing is having the relationship that we do allows for us to have these conversations when they hit boundaries for us. And, you know, we can flat out say no, you know, it's just as I would with my wife, you know, can I come sit on your lap? No, I need to, I need my space right now. You know, that's, that's a reasonable thing to say. And so the same with our kids, you know, it's, it's not about letting them cross all of your boundaries and, you know, go all over your comfort zones and you're not saying anything. You, you talk about it and there's compromise maybe, or maybe there's not, maybe there's just something you can't compromise on. And that's that. And they understand that. And because you have the good relationship with them, because they trust you, that's not such a big deal. They can handle those no's. The key is saying yes as often as you can so that when you do say no, number one, it means something. And number two, it's accepted pretty easily, actually. Yeah, because from that relationship, they... Um when you've got that that trust, you can have that conversation. You can explain your thinking, right? And they'll it's a conversation that you're having. It's not an edict that you're passing down, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I love that point that it all comes back to the relationship. And um, that that is one of the big things, I think, because no matter what, we can have strong beliefs in certain things. I mean, like you were talking about uh, religion and sex and, and for some people like it's food, you know, maybe you're a staunch vegetarian for your lifestyle. Right. Yeah. The challenge, the challenge comes when you put that expectation on your child to follow. Right. And what gets damaged is a relationship so again going back to that relationship to see um to understand that that depending on um your response that's what's at stake right right? and and it may be worth it to you like you said you may have a, a no or you know this is this is my line and and this is where i feel i need to draw my line for my children if that's something that you need to do you just you need to understand that that the um re- the effect of that is going to be uh what that effect is going to be on your relationship so you know trust is going to be diminished certainly for a while if that's something that they still feel they need to explore then they're going to need to do that behind your back basically because right. they don't you know they don't want to get in trouble and they know that you're not going to be happy about it so they're going to explore it on their own so you know that that still may be something that's acceptable to you and it's just knowing um what your choice you you really can't have an expectation that you can literally control another person right exactly yep you, certainly not as they get older right <laughs> oh definitely not yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think that's that's fascinating and i i love that piece because it is it's the dance of our relationships you know it's like how one thing that really helped me when I was stretching comfort zones was talking to them, right? Because so often our comfort zones are on, on rather conventional lines just because we can't re, we can't visit everything when we first come to unschooling, right? right? Our, our comfort zones and our, 
our paradigms and the way we see things, um, they, they just are. And it's when they come up that we're like, oh, hold it. I'm getting uncomfortable here. And yeah, you're right. You don't want to ignore that uncomfortableness because you're losing depth in the relationship and damaging the relationship then as well, right? I think for me, the really important thing though was to do a lot of that work at first internally to really understand myself and why that line was there and to understand where they were coming from. Because so often my stereotype and where they were coming up against that, they were coming from such a different perspective. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can see why you want to do that. And then things were great. And I didn't even really, they, they think so much. They've half the time addressed my concerns already that I don't even really have to say much, right? <laughs> yeah. And the thing with, uh, you know, when you're, you're looking at your own boundaries and you're respecting yourself, that's something mm-hmm. that you're teaching the kids at the same time. They're watching yeah. you do that. You're their model for what life is like as an adult. So if you're saying, oh, you know, this doesn't work for me, that allows them to say the same thing as an adult. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, because they're seeing you um, think it through. They're seeing you process it. They're seeing you um, sharing your your insight, your um, understanding, et cetera, and, and working through it with them. And absolutely, those are skills that they, every time you do that with them, they're gaining experience with doing it, right? And that's a skill that they take with them forever. That's why focusing on the relationship just brings, it, it, it's a, it's lifelong skills, right? Not facts that they're learning. Right. You're not filling um, their heads with information. You're, you're showing them life as it unfolds live. Exactly. Oh, I know. It's beautiful. Okay. Oh, and I'm just going to go back and say it again. Life is messy. I love that. Yeah. Yes, life is messy. Taking the time to understand ourselves, stretch our comfort zones, explore our boundaries, have conversations with our children, and help them as they're doing the same. It's life. Next, in episode 97, I spoke with Erica Davis-Petrie about diversity and asked if she could share some ways we can be more welcoming to families from the wide variety of backgrounds that exist in the unschooling community. Here's her reply. Number one, if you don't live in a diverse community, if you don't have diverse, rich experiences, please don't make your only diverse experience charitable. So don't go to the food kitchen on Thanksgiving. Don't help out at the homeless shelter. Don't don't deal with diversity in a charitable way. Uh, we are helping. The helping, um, the good helper um, syndrome is really difficult to get beyond once you reach a level of maturity. And that um, less than attitude um from well-meaning people is, in my opinion, just as bad as the person that says, you're brown, I don't want you around. Um, you're, you're, you're trouble because of your culture. I really would hope that, um, especially in the unschooling community, diversity is achieved by moving out of your comfort zone, your area, your neighborhood, and moving into someone else's culture comfort zone neighborhood for all kinds of art classes, uh, 
library things, swimming things, opportunities for, uh, you know, all kinds of um, cultural and community experiences. You can just leave your neighborhood and experience a writing class on the other side of town, a book club on the other side of town. If your actual town is not very diverse, there are plenty of ways to be welcoming, and that's by extending yourself and your discomfort level in into another community and meeting friends that way. I think it's it's one of the best ways we as unschoolers have to um, you know broadening our palate and making sure that we have diverse experiences. Yeah, I loved that point because um, first of all, the yeah the impression that you're leaving with your children, like without saying anything, if your only focus is on charity, I thought that was such a great point. I'd never thought of it that way, and uh, that was very cool when you shared that. And the idea is to to uh, extend your community, right? Go different places. Um, you don't have to stay. I think, you know, and that, that reminds me of when, you know, people talk about trying an activity, right? Um, you know, whether it's karate or girl guides or whatever, they always pick the closest one just for convenience, right? right. But think, think bigger. Like I know, um, with my kids, I've driven distances for, um, many reasons, you know, girl guides an hour away because that group was a a better fit and you know this is yet another reason why we don't need to um, keep our mindset so close geographically right there's so many great reasons to open ourselves up to all the possibilities that you know maybe an hour or two like we've gone two hours away to things on a regular basis you know it's a great reason for that exactly you have to look at it as a friendship Mm -hmm. if you look at it Friendship and rather, rather than an obligation, it's pretty easy to widen your power. If you look at it as an obligation, I have an obligation to have my children have diverse experiences. Yeah. You're going to resent it after a while. But if you look at it as a friendship, as giving your children more, as equipping them with more rather than less, um, the richness of the experience will, will win out. Um, but we are creatures of convenience. And we do like being around each other. When I say that, we like being around people that we know, people that make us feel comfortable, people that we can be unconscious around. It's, it's, it's a powerful myth that um, it's easy to be in a diverse community. It is not. It's, it's constantly questioning what you know to be true. So it's work. It's work to be in a diverse community. It's easier to be in a homogeneous community where you think everyone feels the way you do. You have social norms that you conform to. That's easier. It is easier. Um, it's more difficult to think of someone that you have seemingly nothing in common with. Um, how are they going to react to this? How are they going to feel about that? It, it takes a lot of emotional work to, to put yourself out there. It's, it's not easier. It gets easier, but it's not easy. We self-segregate because it's easy for economic reasons, for racial re- and cultural reasons, for um, gender reasons. We self-segregate quite nicely as humans. And not doing that is, is difficult at first. It gets easier, but it's 
still butt up against what we feel is normal, quote unquote. Just like unschooling, it, it, mm-hmm. it gets easier. I mean, the first few years I was unschooling, I didn't know what it was called. And the, the need to have that workbook, you know, on the counter and have it available on the bookshelf, have it available in the, in the, in the um, book bin, have it available in the trunk, have it available in the box, garage. You, you see how it's moving? You see how it's <laughs> But it's still available because if that's the way I want availability, that, that's kind of, that's, to me, that's the representative of, of how we handle anything that's against our norm. We, we leave the option for normalcy available. Um, and we, as we move towards something else, we, we leave the option available. And I wish and hope that we can do the same thing with diversity. We, we try on new things. We reject what doesn't feed our soul. And we take on what does. And constantly encouraging ourselves, well, if that wasn't the right way to do it, there's other ways. And if this isn't the right way to do it, there's other ways. And continuing to do the work. The hardest part is doing the work. The easiest thing is to leave that workbook on the kitchen table because it reassures you. It's hard for your kids, but it's easier for you. Um, it's, it gets easier again when you move it to the bookshelf because it's easier for your partner, your child. Um, and it shows that it doesn't have to be front and center. And then it's far easier when it moves to the, to the trunk, to the, to the book bin. And it's far easier when it moves to the box in the garage. And I'll tell you, it's far easier when it ends up at the Goodwill as a donation for someone else that needs that because you don't need it anymore. But those steps, those phases, they may take years. They may take months. They may take weeks. They may take days, depending on the process and where you are in it. We, we have got to encourage um, diversity and diverse thought in the exact same way. Let people lead people to walking that walk themselves, helping them see that the walk is valuable, helping them see that we all benefit when we see diversity as a plus, not as a, a chore. Yeah, and I, and I love that image of moving the book further out because that's something that I find myself talking about quite a bit in unschooling conversations is our comfort zones and the work to stretch our comfort zones. You know, often we talk about it with our children and their interests. And, you know, I've said every single time I have done the work to stretch my comfort zone, I have benefited from it every single time. And, you know, to me, this is just just another uh, area of comfort zones that, yes, as you said, you know, it's a lot of work and it can take time, but the richness and the benefits for everyone at the end of it. Well, you know what? There's not an end. There's always, you know, more, but extending in extending your comfort zone, right? Sure. And the hard part about about um, about increasing diversity is there's the expectation that there will be an end. Erica shared some great insights. Moving the workbook further and further away is a great metaphor for stretching our comfort zones, step by step. And how humans are creatures of convenience. That's part of what keeps us in our comfort zones. 
And looking at it all through the lens of diversity is eye-opening. Next, Alan Marshall joined me in episode 110, and he talked about stretching his comfort zone around engaging with his kids. Here's what he said when I asked him what piece of advice he'd like to share with other dads who are considering unschooling. For me, um, the thing that I've had to try to be conscious of the most, and I think this is related to my gender, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, as far as I can tell, as, you know, uh, <laughs> to the extent I'm self-aware, <laughs> it seems like this might be gender related is uh, I have to really think about being involved kind of day-to-day, moment-to-moment with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, this may not be something that all men share, but I, I think there's, in my, my example growing up was sort of that the male parent was kind of at maybe a little bit at a distance, uh, mm-hmm. kind of didn't do the, the day-to-day nitty-gritty work of parenting uh, always. And, you know, that's not necessarily because of traditional gender roles only, right? Sometimes it can be more subtle than that. Like I'm, I'm often the stay at home parent. My, uh, my wife and I uh, kind of switch off. We both work, uh, but she works more than I do. So, you know, uh, I would be considered the stay at home parent if you had to, you know, name one of us as a stay at home parent. But even though I'm the one actually at home often, uh, kind of reversing that gender, traditional gender role, still there's this more subtle kind of, you know, male gender role idea of you kids play and I'll go do my adult stuff over do here. Do my thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know. For me, I've just, I've just found that I really need to be aware of that and to make it you know, to make a conscious decision, I'm going to do this a little differently than was shown to me when I was younger or maybe what the cultural expectations might still be. Even though I'm not a traditional dad, um, I need to, you know, in the moment, in that actual time where I'm interacting with my children, I need to decide I'm not going to be the traditional male parent. Uh, I'm going to be playful. I'm going to joke around. I'm going to, um, you know, wrestle, (laughs) I'm going to do guy stuff with my son, um, even though that's my not my immediate natural inclination. Uh, so, you know, that's what occurs to me that might be helpful to talk about with other men is to maybe be aware of that tendency. You know, whether you're a traditional sort of breadwinner and you, you know, you come home in the evening and you see your children, or even if you are a stay-at-home dad uh, and you, you know, you're the primary caregiver, still that might be going on. That dynamic might be there. And so I, I just think that's something that might be worth considering. And have that- you found, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. The, um, and the tendency to, especially, you know, if our kids are occupied and they're doing things, the, you know, the tendency to pull back and do our own things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's just so much we get out of that connection when we do engage with them, isn't there? Like, so you're finding that to be a positive experience, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to, you know, like force myself to do it in sort of a negative way. Like I'm, mm. I've got to go play with the kids now so that I can be a good unschooler. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not an attitude that would be helpful at all, I don't think. More just, you know, when the opportunity arises, really dig, really engage, really dig in, kind of, um, you know, go out of your comfort zone a little. Um, and also, uh, you know, use use your partner as an example. Um, my wife is sort of, she's always been great with kids. So she sort of, you know, is silly with small children to kind of, you know, make just sort of make interacting with them fun. And I've kind of learned from, her. you know, mm-hmm. if I can, you know, just be, just be silly, kind of make a joke or, or kind of make things into a game. I can sort of get things going so that, yeah. so that there's some interaction and then you get something out of that. Um, so observing, you know, moms, particularly my wife, uh, and kind of learning, uh, you know, a different way of doing things might be a little different than what I'm used to, but not, not ever, you know, really avoid having to be sort of in a resentful way where it's, where it's sort of a, you know, a job like you, (laughs) I'm required to do this much interaction with the kids (laughs) because in order to be, you know, a good modern dad, I must do, you know, (laughs) back to ticking off those boxes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would be uh, helpful, but exactly. uh, but the time you do spend with them, just kind of expand your idea of what that means a little bit. I loved Alan's perspective on dads stretching their comfort zones around parenting roles with an eye to engaging with their kids more often. It might be helpful to take a moment and see if that's something you might try out, whether you're a dad or a mom. In episode 122 about unschooling passions, I asked Robin Bentley if she had any tips for parents looking to support their child's interests. It's not surprising that stretching our comfort zone was top of mind for her. And in a random connection, I wasn't aware at the time that Robin and Jenny were friends. It was fun to hear a bit about this story from a different perspective. You got to find a way to support your kids even if you don't like something that or you can't you can't initially find something to like about what they're doing um my friend jenny uh her daughter um luna was very much into horror stuff and jenny was not mm-hmm. and and it took her a long time she, she she you know gave luna a lot of tools like makeup and uh, taking her places where she could uh, explore that, like, you know, Halloween fun houses kind of thing. And she watched um, uh, TV shows and movies with her. And she said, you know, I needed kind of to get over some of that to be able to connect with my kid. So sometimes you have to get over your own bad self um, to uh, really support your kids. Because what they see in it, you have to see what they see in it, not what you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you come with your own baggage about stuff, and they don't. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's a curio- being curious piece. For me, it's curious to know what they what they find interesting. That's what started my like way back when we first began unschooling and Joseph really enjoyed video games. Mm-hmm. You know, the choice was, OK, do I try to control this or be curious about what he loves. And, yeah. and I, I spent a few months and, oh, my gosh, you know, it opened my eyes. And, and there we were. I found ways to support him. I found I enjoyed his love of that. Mm-hmm. But only because I was curious 
to stretch my own comfort zones, right? And learn more. Same with Mike with karate and, yeah. you know, Lissy with the bands, all, all that kind of stuff, right? It, it's pretty freeing to be able to do it. And um, the other, there's another piece that I think sometimes gets missed is healing your own childhood. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us, come, the baggage that we come with is being told that what we loved wasn't important. What our parents wanted us to do was more important. They couldn't find a way to um, uh, support or like what we were doing. And so we come into parenthood with those overlays, like you're not good enough, that isn't good enough, blah, blah, blah. So one way to uh, become um, supportive of your kid is thinking of, how you would feel in that situation and what you would have liked your parents to do. So you become the parent that you wish you had Mm -hmm. by supporting your kids. Yeah, that's a great way to to think about it. Um, Because so often that that really helped me just putting putting myself in their shoes I mean that that helps from one perspective right mm-hmm. like if I was me if I was that child in that position right yeah. how would that feel for me yeah and then because then there's the other side where um, when you're when I'm trying to help them um, explore uh, different paths trying to help them even brainstorm different paths at that mm-hmm. point I don't I don't want to put me in their shoes I want to try and see it through their eyes because they would have different goals like if I put myself in their shoes I would have certain goals and certain things I would be wanting to do right like exactly. you said when she showed up you know when you went to that conference and she wanted to do this this and this whereas you know you thought she would do this want mm-hmm. to do x y and z because that's us seeing through our filters right exactly you know I uh, wanted to go to the panels well in fact sometimes yeah. I did <laughs> I did uh, yeah, it makes such uh, a big difference it's it's tricky those expectations I know Um, you know and if you think back to your own childhood what your expectation or what the expectations your parents had for you and how that turned out Mm -hmm. um, you can sort of take a different path Uh, there was there's one thing that's uh, been on my fridge for a long time since it was made into a magnet but it's always been in the back of my head and that was something that Sandra said um, if your child is more important than your vision of your child life becomes easier And so instead of laying those uh, expectations on them and what you think they should be or should have been or, you know, will be in the future, if you get rid of that and see them right now for who they are, then it is easier. It really, really is. And and for me, it's that curiosity piece. Be curious as who they really are, right? I'm glad you keep bringing that curiosity <laughs> piece up because that's exactly what it is. And I haven't articulated the curiosity part. And so if I ever do a presentation again, that's going in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like my, I, I don't know, it just keeps popping up for me because that is the thing that always helps me move forward in any situation, you know, especially when I need to or, or I'm looking to stretch my comfort zones and yeah. I'm not quite ready yet, right? Yeah. What, where's my discomfort coming from and, and why aren't they uncomfortable? Uh-huh. 
And Funny, that's huh? where the curiosity. How curious comes in, is right? that? <laughs> why are you not uncomfortable in this? You know, why do you want to go in that mosh pit with all those people? Yeah, you like, know, ew. five years older than you. <laughs> We're going to be banging around. And why do you want to crowd surf and, you know, all the, <laughs> but, oh my gosh, it was, it was an amazing, has been an amazing experience for her. And, and again, threads into all the things that she does. It's become part of her. And when our children are curious about something, their interest, their passion, and maybe we don't understand why, and maybe they can't articulate why, but if it's something they're drawn to, there is this little thread reaching out, right? That just wants to make a connection, even if nobody knows quite what it is yet. And is, it's just yeah. so fun to to help them explore that, isn't it? It is. I loved how Robin brought up the idea of healing our own childhood, how stretching our comfort zones and respecting our children's interests can bring up memories of our interests as children being downplayed and maybe even scoffed at. How do you wish your parents had behaved toward the things that you loved? Maybe that's part of our healing process. We can also recognize that we can respect and engage in our interests now. It's never too late. Go for it. And in this next clip from episode 131, Maria Rudolph and I hit on the value of asking our kids or partner, can you give me a minute? when it comes to shifting and stretching our comfort zones. She joined me to talk about de-schooling, and the topic came up when I asked her what she found most challenging as she was de-schooling. I would say the most challenging for me and for my daughter, mm-hmm. um, because we've been able to talk about this um, you know, since, was definitely my need for control. So um, I... I'm a kind of a control freak. I'm not one of those people that's, I can be easygoing, but I, I need a little bit more structure, which can be actually be just a super wonderful quality, like organized and structured. And um, I don't know, have you ever seen, now I'm really digressing. Have you ever seen the um, the show, uh, now I can't it, Parks and Recreation? It's a U.S.-based show. I have seen some of you the have. episodes, yes. <clears throat> I'm Leslie. No, I'll have a binder color coded. If you ask me what restaurant you should go to, I'll have a folder for you describing every restaurant in the area. So that I, I mean, yeah. that's kind of how my brain works, which mm-hmm. can be a beautiful thing. But when it comes to raising a child, who your, you know, you, your deepest wish is that they know themselves. That's pretty hard mm-hmm. to allow them to know themselves when you're trying to control them. So I think, I think that would have always been an issue for us, but particularly trying to come into unschooling, I was now looking in the mirror a lot Mm -hmm. and having to realize, Oh, that's doing damage. I can't be that person, which thank goodness for unschooling. I probably would have figured that out when she was 30, if, if we were fortunate, but I think unschooling helped remove those layers um, faster. But that that was my biggest challenge, honestly, was just kind of letting go of the ideal. And I think a lot of people deal with that too, like letting go of this ideal picture of how you're going to raise a child. And you really, you know, unschooling appealed to me on so many levels, but 
that <laughs> I had to face myself. And I think that that truly was the biggest part of the, the challenge was my me and, and that need for the ideal and for the control. So I, I still work on that, you know, personality wise. That's so interesting. And I, I, I can totally relate to that um, need no personality style where, you know, if something comes up, like I want to know and organize all around it. Right. You know, yes. I was, I, I mean, I'm known as the planner, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if you're going on vacation, it's, it's coming up with like, you know, you, you want to know the route and, and the different places you might stop along the way and all the different things you might do. And, you know, I have a folder, even now when we go on vacation, I have a folder where we've got the tickets for everything. Yes. I've got the addresses, the phone numbers, just to, like, like everything's very organized. But yeah, that's the huge piece is, is, is that folder becoming, um, like our resource, not our director you you know what I mean yeah yeah that's that piece not not insisting that we still follow this so I can get my organizational like needs met but then once I'm comfortable that shift to okay now now we're gonna kind of just do what comes up with the flow and and I've got three different things we might flow into and and you know what still being open to that fourth thing that somebody sees when they cross the street right and that you've nailed that that it was exactly it like I I I still struggle with this sometimes letting go of inflexibility Mm -hmm. and you know, that it's okay, like you said, to have that binder and to have everything, but to allow for flexibility, it makes me super uncomfortable. And I think maybe just, you know, for me and my personality, maybe that's a a safety measure, staying in my comfort zone um, and going outside of that, it takes some adjustment. And even now, you know, both David and Davey will, um, if they come up with an idea or something, they'll just give me some space and some time. And they know like within 10 minutes to a day, depending on what it is, eventually I'll come back and go, oh, okay. You know, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) My family knows the exact same thing. (laughs) At least my kids do. They're like, mom, give me a minute. You know, hey, this thing just came up and I'd love to do this. And I'm like, do you need an answer right away? Because if you need it right away, it might be no. But can I think about it for 10 minutes? give it to me yeah yeah and I was gonna say just that that little phrase like can you give me a minute mm-hmm. was such an epiphany for me when that I didn't have to come up with the answer right away or we didn't have to discuss it all right away that I could just step back a little bit and and say and that my family would accept it if I said uh I I need a minute to just kind of process that a little bit like mm-hmm. I'm not sure I like that I'm not sure I'm comfortable give me a minute and then to kind of sit with it a little bit and know that, you know, they'd be okay and we could discuss it. I don't know. I, I think my personality is too like sometimes I get kind of all or nothing. And so it was like, I have to come up with the answer now and I have to be totally comfortable with it on every level and everybody's got to be happy. So look back at different points in unschooling with Davey where I can see like, Oh yeah, that was like a real turning point point where 
I kept my mouth shut more often after that, or, you know, I could see that I was taking away some joy or that I was, she's a very easygoing personality. So it would be easy for me to unknowingly walk over that Mm -hmm. to a degree. And there were moments where I could see what I was doing and it was like, Oh, I can't do that. That's really made me feel icky. Mm -hmm. And I could see it reflected in her face. And so that's when I, I, I see these different turning points where I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. This is what it's doing. So <clears throat> I think had Davy too been a different personality where she was like, ah, no way, mom. That might have done a number of things. But it's just interesting always to see the dynamic interesting to talk about. It's interesting to compare notes with one another and kind of say, Oh, okay. That's what was happening there. Oh, get it. All right. (laughs) So yeah, those conversations are so helpful, aren't they? I mean, when you have that openness and that trust level where people can say what they see and it's when you get to that level where you're not taking things personally but, you know, you're not taking them on as an attack, but as, as information, as, as uh, just better understanding each other, right? Absolutely. I love that, that it's <clears throat> shared information. We talk a, a lot about that with, um, in unschooling about how we share information with our kids to give them the information so that they can make decisions based on information they might not have had or they might not have known and um, so that they can have that available to use it in a certain way. And of course that works with us too. So when I'm given information and, and just like at those, those pinnacle points where I could see what she was thinking or, or, you know, a look on her face and I thought, oh, this is not a good direction I'm going in. Mm -hmm. That wasn't great now as she, what? (laughs) Or, hey, this doesn't feel good, FYI. Um, And it's it's just kind of been a beautiful thing to see all that happen. Um, Yeah, it's when you're you're paying attention in a conversation, right? When when you stop trying to direct it and you're, you're trying to say over and over what you want, then you're like plowing ahead and you're not noticing all those clues, those looks that pass by their face, the, the shuffle, the twist of the body, all those little pieces of information that they don't necessarily need to be verbal, do they? That's really, really a good point. And just how you said um, that, that stopping when you, when you quit being the director yeah. and, and you stop to notice and really be present and as a planner organizer, I'm always thinking ahead. And I feel like unschooling kind of helped me stand back and observe a little bit more. Um, and to observe and and think about my part in that. Instead of observing and directing, I'm thinking about, well, where does that put me in connection with this person? And what can I do differently to ease their path or to get out of their path (laughs) very often. Yeah. Yeah, I loved your point about, um, you know, being more quiet and listening more because so often um, 
well, I, I remember times when they would be, you know, having this idea and this idea and this idea. And my planning brain would be like, okay, you know, trying to make that shift and trying to think of the implications of that choice and that choice. And then, you know, I'd be, I'd be tempted to jump in with like, you know, pros, cons, comments, et cetera. But when I could be quiet and just watch the pros, because they weren't, they weren't done. They were verbally processing what they were thinking. And when I just watched them and sat back and let them, you know, go through the work that they were doing, they got somewhere completely different and then I yes. can see how they got there. Now you better understand why they got there, right? Because you could see all the different pieces that came together. And then you better understood even why you were doing X in the end, right? Yes. And and then we got to that place, like you said, without us um, putting our hands all over it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I do. And you it, it makes a lot of sense. And and I was thinking about how you were saying um, how when they would come up with ideas, thinking about something and you were already saying, well, this is what you could do. Or I still, I struggle with that a little bit. And my husband just pointed something out to me the other day that, um, you know, somebody might come up with an idea, whether it's him or it's Davey or even a friend. Um, might say, oh, you know, let's do X, Y, Z. And I'm my immediate out of my mouth is generally, oh, well, we could, but we could go that way because there's actually a detour there. So, and then, you know, it's going to be late. So we can't really go, maybe we'd want to go the other way. I'm thinking of all the can'ts instead of just stepping back and sharing the joy. I think I'm doing everybody a favor, of course, because, you know, I'm organizing it, (laughs) letting them know what's in their way. It's so much more smooth this way. (laughs) But that it's taking away their joy. And he said to me, you know, you're, you're kind of stepping into they're just want to talk about what they love. Mm. They're not ready to organize it yet. And you've already organized it for them. And it takes their joy and takes kind of the, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the steam right out of, of yeah. them. And I was kind of, I mean, and I knew I've already kind of had, you know, that's my personality a little bit and I struggle, but in the instance he was giving me, I really, I didn't see it. So when he said that, it, I was so appreciative because it was like, oh, right. Okay. Right. I, I do do that. I got, I've got to think more, speak less and let people, you know, let it go. So I think, um, it, like I had said earlier, unschooling helped me do that in a way I'm not sure I would have mm-hmm. sooner. It's so helpful to keep coming back to the present moment and opening up my focus to my surroundings. Actually, it's kind of hard to do one without the other, isn't it? I really enjoyed that tangent with Maria. And next up is a clip from episode 135. One of the 10 questions I asked Anna Brown about her unschooling journey was directly about stretching her comfort zones. Here's what she shared. So we talked about comfort zones a little bit earlier. I was just wondering if there was ever an interest or activity that one of your kids wanted to pursue that stretched a comfort zone and how you move through that. Yeah. 
So um, with my oldest, again, we have a lot in common. We look a lot alike and we have, we process information a lot the same, but there are definitely areas where we're really different. Um, And there was a time kind of in her, I guess, early teens, maybe where she went through a stage of really a lot of horror, death, darkness, you know, really heavy, heavy stuff. And, you know, I could see she was working through some things, but I also just saw she was enjoying it. But for me personally, I did not like the energy of it. I am sensitive and I take that kind of stuff in and it hurts my heart to see people hurting or hurting other people. That is really hard for me. Um, And I had to really work hard to be present with her exploration of that and not take it on as my own and to not tell stories about it, you know, like how it was for her too. So I had to keep my focus on our connection, like where we connected and how I could facilitate her, even if I wasn't participating. And I think that's probably one of the keys is realizing we all have different interests and we're exploring things for different reasons. None is more or less valid. Um, But we can always be there to support and facilitate someone, whether we understand what they're doing or why they're doing it. Um, You know, interestingly, with this particular thing, years later, when we talked about that time in her life, I learned how critical it was for her as she was moving through some very big fears that she had. And these were fears she was not verbalizing to me Mm -hmm. at the time. These were things she was taking in and trying to make sense of. And had I tried to kind of curtail the entrance because I felt like, oh, that's negative or that's you don't want to have all this energy or whatever, because that's how it affected me. I think I would have really impacted her ability to move through something that was very important and kind of pivotal in her development so that she could become comfortable with these things. Like that was her process of understanding some kind of horrific deaths that she was exposed to and some other things that happened. And so, you know, we each are going to do that differently. And so I'm grateful that I was, even though it was hard for me, able to kind of step back and, you know, let her do that and still support because she, as we talked about it later, (coughs) never felt judgment for me about it. Like she knew it was something that I didn't enjoy. And so she would kind of say, Oh mom, you're not going to like this one or you're not going to, you know, like this, but she knew that I still was totally fine, you know, supporting her. And, and so I was grateful that she had gotten that message because I wasn't sure that I had, that had come through all the time because it was so hard for me. Um, you know, we can't always see what's going on inside their heads. And, and actually, no, I'm going to say we never can see what's going on inside their heads. Um, so I think stop trying to write someone else's story, you know, and, and like why they're doing something or what they're getting out of it or what they should be doing differently. I think kind of stop that piece, you know, and and learn to trust in their journeys and, and to keep that connection. And again, that's just what has seen us through so many difficult pieces, you know, whether I'm stretching or they're stretching or whatever. I think it's just that connection, 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 as we keep talking about. Yeah, I was, you know, as you were telling that story, what what popped in my mind was trust. And then you threw that in there at the end, too, because when you get that's why I think it's so important to really um, dig into de-schooling at the beginning when you're getting there and really understand what's going on and and understand why um, that connection and trust is is so important to develop. 
Yeah. Because you're going to need those tools <laughs> later, right? To be able to trust when you don't understand why um, somebody's making these choices or doing these things or has this interest, you know, or whatever, or why they're asking to try this or do this, you know, if, if it's not something that they are, that you guys are talking about, you still need to trust that if this is something that they want to pursue or need to, whatever, like their choices, trust their choices, right? Because you're there, you're in connection. What they want to talk to you about at, in, at the time, if anything, they will. But like you said, to be able to, as much as you can, just, um, not exude that judgment. You, you know, you right. said later, she said she didn't feel that judgment from you and she felt that trust. It's okay that they know that this isn't your favorite thing in the world. Exactly. You know, they know I can be honest about yeah. who I am, but I don't have to put that on her. So you need to be like this because she doesn't. And she didn't, you know, she needed to go through that time. Now that we look back, how important it was for her. But yeah, but I think you can be honest. And I think that maybe is another place people trip up. Well, I don't want to pretend to like that or whatever. I'm like, I know you don't have to do that. Yeah. But it's just watch that judgment, you know, make sure that you're okay, you know, with your boundaries, but that you're not, putting that on them, on that, oh, that's bad for you or that, Oh, that's going to affect you the same way. I think we do that a lot too. So like those mm-hmm. moments are really hard for me in films or whatever. Um, but it doesn't affect other people the same way. <laughs> like I've just learned this. So like, I have a thing about clowns, don't like clowns at all, but everybody loved the new, what, um, uh, shoot Stephen King. It. it. Okay. So they're like, you know, they all loved it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it. It's clowns. I'm being silly. You know, I can watch clowns. Oh my gosh. I didn't give a flying flip about the clown. The clown could come sit in the room with me. What I didn't like was that bullying, that the, how hateful the children and the adults were to each other. I walked out. I was like, I'm not watching this. I don't care about the clown. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I can't do, you know? And so they know that about me. Like that is who I'm not going to change that piece of them, but they loved it. And so then they could tell me about the movie and what they loved about it later. Cause I just couldn't watch it. And then I could be excited for them and Oh yeah, that was interesting or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think be honest about yourself, but realize other people aren't taking it in in the same way that you are necessarily. And that that's kind of an important distinction. I love the message that flowed through Anna's story. Stop trying to write our child's story trust in their journey, and continue to connect with them. Our last snippet comes from my conversation with Alex Peace in episode 162. I love how she took my question, was there a time when one of your kids' interests really stretched your comfort zone? And she changed it up a bit. Well, I don't know. This is what came up for me. It's not exactly an interest, but... Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of my kids read very late, and so it was something that really stretched me mm-hmm. as an unschooling parent. Um, for a while, I, I, I sort of did a lot of reading about, um, you know, reading difficulties, particularly online, hearing other parents' anecdotes. And then, uh, and then at some point, there were two things happened. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one was that I was flipping through a book about dyslexia or something, and it was an academic book. It was, you know, studies of various things, and I sort of went straight to the, you know, what's the biggest problem? And uh, it said, I, um, the, the biggest problem is how people feel about uh, their reading issues. It can become a, an emotional problem. And I was like, right, so, okay. We don't have to go there. That's easy. <laughs> That's under control. And the second thing that happened is uh, at one point I said to one of my kids something like, uh, it doesn't look like you're learning to read like I learned how to read, but I'm sure there's lots of other people that are learning to read how you do. Do you want me to ask, you know, some of the folk online and get you some hints? And she said, no, it'll be fine. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out when I need to. And I went, right. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> so... I then pretty purposefully didn't, did not look any further into reading difficulties. I worked really hard at creating an atmosphere of, well, this is the way it is, and you need me to read to you, so that's the way it is. We're going to read to you. We're going to read for you. And maintaining that this is just your way. Normal. Yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> and um, so... It became, it was kind of cute, like if we were out with a, a big group of homeschooling kids and people, everybody just read out loud, like any of the things, you know, it, it was, it just wasn't a big deal in our group. Um, and, and, but I did have to kind of really, um, there was some, there was some issue with some family members. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just really set up some, some boundaries like, okay. Um, and I, I, what I felt like was I kept the world at bay until they learned to read on their own. And uh, so that, that was, I think, yeah, yeah, that was so one of the things that I felt that good about. Buffer, you kept that. Yeah. yeah Buffer is probably the best word for it, right? You kept yeah. them in yeah. situations where it wasn't a big deal and where yeah. it would have been a big deal. Uh, it, like back to that research where the emotional piece is like the hardest piece. Um, yeah. Feeling bad about yourself. Yeah. So that's what you, you took that and focused on that and made just didn't go into those situations. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and the other, the, the byproduct of it was that um, I got to read to my kids for years. Yeah. Which is fabulous. <laughs> so we read a lot of books out loud. So that was fun. I love the work Alex did to stretch her comfort zones and get to a place that made sense to her. And then that's where she set her boundaries. And then recognized the fabulous upside to it all. It was wonderful stuff. I hope you found this compilation interesting with lots of food for thought when it comes to moving through opportunities to stretch your comfort zones. It's such a great way to both support our kids and get to know ourselves even better. Be curious and have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the Tuck Talks. For six years, I hosted the Toronto Unschooling Conference. It was an amazing experience, and I loved meeting many wonderful unschooling families. Though I no longer host the conference, the unschooling insights shared by the amazing speakers over the years are timeless. 
You can listen to all 25 talks for free on my website at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash conference. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.